following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. In, in so many ways, right now, God the Father is reaching out to us. He's reaching out to you. And my hope and my prayer is that during this Christmas season that you'll feel the warmth of his love. You'll feel the embrace of his mercy and his grace in your life. Back in November, I I issued a challenge. It was a 30-day challenge. Maybe you haven't had a a quiet time in a long time. Maybe your quiet times aren't as uh, meaningful as they once were. The 30-day challenge during November was this. Spend some time each and every day, preferably starting your day off, devoting those first fruits of your day. Spending time with the Lord, just getting into his word and spending some time in quiet meditation, reflecting upon what you saw in his word. Maybe increasing that from 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, growing throughout the month. I hope that you've done that. I hope you've accepted that challenge. And I hope your quiet time is now more meaningful than ever. So for the month of December... Last week, I issued another challenge, a little bit different challenge. Spend some time this month in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe read a Gospel in a week. Maybe read one Gospel for each week of the month. Maybe read a Gospel in a day, just going through the life of Jesus and asking God, God, why did you come to this earth for me? Why did you come to this earth? You didn't have to, but you left your home in glory to come to this earth, and you did it for a reason. Show me those reasons why you came to this earth. But God wanted to draw closer to his creation, and that's what the theme for this month is. Draw, uh, God will draw near to you. His mere name, Emmanuel, God with us, says it all. God wants to draw closer to you, and I'm hoping that during this Christmas time, during this month of December, uh, that you wouldn't get caught up in all the the material things. I, I'm praying that you wouldn't just get caught up in the in the glitter and the glamour, the lights. All, all of those things are pretty. They all have tradition. They all have meaning. But my hope and my prayer is, is that your eyes will be fixed upon Jesus now more than any other time. If you've read through the Gospels, if you've spent any time whatsoever in the Gospels, you know that two of the four Gospels spend a great deal of time focusing on the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew starts his off a little bit different. His gospel starts off with the family tree, the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. He points out several specific people that we can relate to. But if you have your Bibles this morning, before we get into our main reading, I want you to take a look at Luke chapter 3 because Luke makes a connection that I think is really, really important. We have to ask ourselves, why are these genealogies there? They're not there to just occupy space on the page. Uh, A lot of you get into your family tree, you get into your lineage, your family history, your genealogy. Many of you have traced your uh, ancestors way, way back for generations. I have not done that. I haven't spent time doing that. I know people in my family that have, and I've gotten some information from them. But the writer of these gospels, Matthew and Luke, provide a detailed account of Jesus' life. And here in Luke... Chapter 3, Luke makes a very, very important connection. If you've read through it before, maybe it's registered to you what he's trying to connect here. Luke tries to connect Jesus with Adam. 
Jesus, the Son of God, with Adam, in whom Luke calls the Son of God. In verse 23, he starts off the genealogy like this. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, son of Heli, the son of Matthai. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can go through it and you can see some very familiar names in the genealogy. He gets down to verse uh, 30, uh, 23. He starts off in verse 23, but down in verse 31, he said he writes some very familiar names there. David, the son of Jesse. Boaz, the son of Salmon. Those three names there should tell us that God can and will use anyone. David had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, but yet he's included in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. David sent Bathsheba's husband into war, virtually committing murder by sending him to the front lines of battle. But David is listed in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boaz was married to Ruth. Their marriage in Jewish tradition was not allowed. Ruth was a Moabite. She was a non-Hebrew. But yet here he is, Boaz, listed here in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salmon, he was married to Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. But yet they are both listed in the genealogies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew pronounces them in a little bit more familiar detail. Matthew chapter 1. But down at the end, at 38, verse 38, Luke records something that is very, very interesting, I believe. Most unlikely person that Luke connects the Lord Jesus Christ with is the first man, Adam. The man who brought sin into this world. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The interesting part of this is this about this writer who lists his genealogy. Luke is a physician. Luke is a Gentile. He's not a Hebrew. But Luke was also a partner with the Apostle Paul. Luke not only writes the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, but the book of the Acts of the Apostles as well, which records all three of the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys, Paul's conversion. So I'm sure that Luke and Paul spent a lot of time discussing this matter of Adam being in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ and the connection between the first Adam and Jesus, the second Adam. As Luke has made the connection in the genealogy between Jesus and Adam, so does the Apostle Paul in at least two of his letters. Paul refers to Jesus as the second Adam. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47, if you want to write that verse down, Paul makes mention of this matter by saying, The first man was of the earth, made of dust. So when you think about the book of Genesis and the creation of man, God took the dust of the earth and he took his time sculpting and shaping a perfect man. And then he breathed the breath of life into him and man became a living creature. Everything else in existence, God spoke. He spoke the stars in place, the fishes of the water, the animals, 
the birds, the trees, all of creation God spoke into existence. But yet man is the only thing in creation that God took the time to form and shape and breathe his very breath into to bring life to. Now God also caused Adam to go into a deep sleep, removed one of his ribs, and from that rib he created a woman. So in the book of Genesis, it clearly states that God created Adam and Eve, a male and a female. God created Adam and Eve. He didn't create Adam and Steve. And only two genders are recorded in the scriptures. Not many hundreds that scientists proclaim we have these days. He made them male and he made them female. But yet it was through this first man that we see that the fall of all mankind came. Sin entered to this world according to the apostle Paul here. The first man was of the earth made of dust. And we'll see here in just a little while the connection between Adam as the first man uh, and Jesus as the second Adam. Paul also goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 47, that the first man was of the earth made of dust, but the second man is the Lord from heaven. The miraculous conception of Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. A virgin gave birth just as the prophet Isaiah had predicted in the Old Testament. This morning I want to explore why the little baby we celebrate at Christmas, came as the second Adam and the contrast between the two that is recorded in Scripture and how that should powerfully impact our lives. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to invite you to open up to the book of Romans, chapter 5. And we're going to read a little bit more about the second Adam as Paul refers to him as. And he makes this comparison and this contrast between the first Adam and the second Adam. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 5. I hope you have your pens or your pencils or your highlighters ready. There's several words and phrases and uh, sentences that we're going to highlight throughout this passage as we go along. Paul says this, Therefore, just as through one man... Sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. Sin imputed no law. Highlight that word imputed right there. We're going to see several legal terms that the Apostle Paul uses here. This is the first one of them. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Highlight that word right there, type of him. But the free gift is not like the offense. There's another legal term. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Somebody should be shouting amen right there because that is a powerful statement. Much more the grace of God 
and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Highlight that word right there. That is a very important theological term in this passage. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Whereas by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Are you ready for some good news? Here's the shouting part. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I hope that's the case for your life right there. I hope God's grace has superabounded everything in your life. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We could give the invitation right now. That should be enough. It's self-explanatory as to why Jesus came as the second Adam. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this powerful passage that we just read together, Lord God. And I pray that it would speak to hearts today. Whether they're tuning in through their Facebook live feed, whether they're here in person, Lord God, whether they'll listen to it later on this week. I, I just pray, Lord God, that your light would shine upon their hearts and illuminate the dark areas that may be there. Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be that day that they would step out in faith and enter into that relationship and understand clearly that you died for their sins. I pray, Lord God, that you'll speak through me as we unpack this passage, that the areas, Lord God, that we really need to focus on today would come to life through your word. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's all be seated. So there's technically three points. There's six points listed, but each point has a comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam. There's a severe contrast that the Apostle Paul is displaying here through this one passage between the two of them and how it impacts us as well. And he uses uh, these court terms, these legal terms, all throughout the passage to show exactly what he means and what has been taking place and what is accounted against us and what comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. The first contrast we see is this. The first Adam brought sin. He starts off by saying that in verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world. Paul begins his call, contrast with the matter of sin entering through Adam. Just as through this one man, Sin entered this world. The word sin in the Greek is the word hamartia. And it carries the same implication um, 
in Greek as it does in Hebrew. It's an offense. It's something that is contrary to God's nature. But the Greek takes it just a little bit further. The Greek illustration uses an archery term, which means we have missed the mark. So sin is falling short of God's standards. It's falling short of God's glory. God gave Adam this one standard. Adam, you could do anything you want to, but don't eat of this tree. And Adam missed the mark. He fell short of what God had asked him not to do. And so the word sin in a nutshell, it means wrongdoing. It's an old archery term that simply means we have missed the mark. And the topic of sin is prevalent throughout the book of Romans in particular. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. If you want to turn to it and read to it, it's just another page over. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul refers to the Old Testament book of Psalms and Ecclesiastes to demonstrate the effect of sin. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he also states it again. He makes it plain and clear that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. We have missed the mark. Romans 5, 8, the chapter that we're in right now with our main passage today, he points out even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in the following chapter, chapter 6, verse 23, He emphasizes the consequences of that sin. He says that the wages of sin is death. And that's what he says here is death through sin, through this one man sin into this world, and death through sin. So there are in this passage specifically four effects brought by the matter of sin. Number one, many, all of us were constituted as sinners. Verse 19 states that. Verse 15 states, number two, that many died because of sin. Number three, the third effect is found in verses 16 and 18. Condemnation comes to all humans as an effect of sin. And in verse 17, the fourth and final effect is that death reigned over all humans because of sin. However, it is in verse 14 that Paul makes the strongest connection between Adam and Jesus and describes Adam as a type of him to come. In other words, he was a shadow in the Old Testament of the one coming to reverse what Adam did. Where the first Adam brought sin, the second and final Adam, Jesus Christ, brought his saving grace. So that's what we see in contrast to the first Adam bringing sin. The second Adam, point number two, brought grace. Man, we sing about it. We read about it. But have we truly experienced God's grace in our lives? Grace is the Greek word charis, which means good will, favor towards someone, unmerited, unmerited, 
deserved favor. There are a lot of people that are crying out for justice these days. A lot of people are crying out for what they are entitled to. They want their just rights. Friend, let me tell you this. You don't want justice. You want grace. You don't want mercy as well. You want grace. What is the difference between the three of them? Justice is getting the bad that we actually deserve. In other words, we're getting exactly what we deserve. And if God were to give you justice right now, you would spend eternity in hell because of your sin nature. You don't want justice. That is not what you want. Mercy. Some people cry out for mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting the bad that we deserve. But grace is what you want. Grace is this. Grace is getting the good that we don't deserve and can never earn on our own. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that has pardoned all of my sins. Here the Apostle Paul not only emphasizes that this gift of mercy is free, but it also abounds to many. In other words, it is in abundance. There is an excessive amount. God has more than enough grace to cover all of my sin all of your sin, and all of the sin of anyone that will come to him. You see, through the first Adam, sin infected the entire human race. But from that little baby in the manger, grace overflowed to all of mankind. Through the righteousness of one, grace prevailed to all mankind. And it's only by faith that this grace can be received. There's several passages I'm going to ask you to highlight, maybe mark in your Bible. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. If you don't have this one memorized, this one will be a great one for you to commit to memory. But if you don't have it highlighted or marked in your book to share with others, it's definitely something you want to do right now. Write a star by it, an asterisk, Turn the page down, whatever you need to do to find that place. Here's how important grace is to us as Christians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, should anyone boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friend, highlight that verse. Lock it down in your heart. Commit it to memory for you to be able to share with others. that, That clearly tells me that anyone by faith can receive the free gift of grace that God offers to anyone and everyone. Even though God has provided all men with the free gift of grace, there are still many who willingly choose to remain under the judgment 
of sin. It's almost like being in a prison cell with the door wide open, choosing to remain in prison instead of the freedom that is before you. The choice to remain in prison to sin is yours, my friend. God has made a way for you to be free and wants to save you more than anything else. And obviously that is the decision that many, many people, unfortunately in our world, make today. Because according to this, almost half of the population of our world is unreached. They are imprisoned by sin. They have not experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why giving to our missions is so, so important so that the gospel can go out around the world. That is why uh, ministries like Operation Christmas Child are so, so important. So the doors of opportunity will be open for people to hear about this amazing grace that we often take for granted. Our Christmas song that we sing, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. He rules the world with truth and with grace. Friend, if you haven't tasted of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, let today be that day that you walk out of that prison and accept the free gift of eternal life that comes by faith and through the grace of the Lord. As the passage states here several times, it is a free gift for the taking. But just like any gift you receive, maybe this Christmas, That gift does not become yours until you accept it. You see, I can wrap a gift up. I can put it under the tree. I can leave it there from now until Christmas. It's for someone special, but that gift does not become theirs until I offer it to them first. And then they have the option. They don't have to take that gift. I've never seen anybody do this, but they can say, you know what? No, thanks. You can just keep your gift. I'm good. But that's exactly what some people do with the gift of grace that God offers them. They say, you know what? I can do this on my own. I can be a good person. I can live a a generally moral life, and that's going to get me exactly what I need. I don't need your gift of salvation that you offer through Jesus. But according to what we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, not of works should anyone boast. It's not of yourself. It is by faith through grace, through our Lord Jesus Christ. He offers this free gift of eternal life and grace, and you must receive it. Because what we have received through the first Adam is this, condemnation. The second Adam offers grace. He offers us a free gift. It's ours there for the taking. But because of our sin nature, because of what the first Adam brought, Point number three, the first Adam brought condemnation, eternal condemnation. It's not just a one-time statement that you are guilty, but the sentence is eternity in hell for those who choose to remain in their sin. Verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense, resulted in condemnation. Folks, because of sin, the judgment has been proclaimed. 
guilty. The gavel has fallen. The book is thrown at us. And because of Adam's sin and the fall of mankind and then the sin nature that we have inherited from him, the accusation against us right now is guilty. It's what we deserve. Through Adam's sin, we have been proclaimed guilty. And where the first Adam brought judgment, the judgment was taken by the second Adam. Where God the righteous judge has every right to condemn us to hell, Jesus Christ stands in our place and justifies us in the sight of God. Romans chapter 8, turn there, verse 1. Here's another one for you to commit to memory. Here's another one for you to lock down in your heart. And here's another one for you to stand upon as a promise from God. While the first Adam brought condemnation, look at what the second Adam has given to us. There is therefore now, say that with me, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. My friends right now, if you're walking in the safety of the Savior, if you're walking in his grace and his mercy, if you're walking in his love, there is no condemnation that has been cast down upon you. You have been declared not guilty, free of all charges because Jesus Christ took your condemnation when he died on the cross. The first Adam brought sin. The first Adam brought condemnation. But here's what the second Adam brought. The second Adam brought justification. The second Adam brought justification. That second half of verse 16, there's that sanctified conjunction right there. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. What does the word justification mean? Here's an easy way to remember it. Justified, never sinned. You have been justified and it's justified, never sinned before. In other words, everything that was accused against you, everything that was against you, every accusation you had has been wiped clear. The slate is clean. Jesus Christ said, with my blood, I have forgiven you of all of your sins and I have justified you in the sight of God. Justification. In the Greek word, uh, in the Greek language, it means to be acquitted. To have your guilt removed, to be set free, to be declared innocent in the sight of God. The first Adam brought sin. The first Adam brought condemnation, but the second Adam brought justification. Along with that sin and condemnation that the first Adam brought along, point number five, the first Adam also brought death into this world. You see, before sin entered this world, man was in a perfect environment. He was set to live forever and ever and ever because of that first sin, that first transgression, death entered into this world. Turn with me to Romans 6.23. Here's another one that I want you to highlight. Commit to memory. We've already discussed the first part of this. We've already talked about um, 
what the wages of sin is, what the consequences of sin is. The wages of sin is death. The first Adam brought death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, friends, don't miss this point right here. Don't miss what the Apostle Paul is bringing out in Romans chapter 5, verse 21, as he concludes this passage. He says, so that as sin reigned in death, he's talking about from the first time Adam committed the sin, and all humans thereafter were born and infected with that sin nature. He says, so that as sin reigned in death, where sin reigns in death through the first Adam, righteousness comes through Jesus Christ to give us eternal life. The second Adam came to provide what the earthly Adam could never attain. That's what leads me to point number six. The second Adam brought life. Where the first Adam brought death and separation from God, the second Adam brought peace and life. Not just eternal life in heaven, but abundant life here on this earth as well. And no, I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about spiritual blessings. Friends, I'm not a rich man, but I'm rich in love and mercy and grace and peace and joy. All those things that the Spirit brings that lives within me. That's what's a part of my life and the life that the Lord Jesus Christ has blessed me with. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said this. He says that the thief comes not but to kill and to steal and to destroy. But he says, I come so that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And we see this word abundantly and even more so and abounding all throughout chapter 5. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. But I think in my opinion, verse 20 is the most powerful verse in this whole passage that we read. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Has that love abounded in your life? Have you experienced the new life that only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ as our second Adam? Have you experienced the new birth? John chapter 3, Jesus gets into a conversation with the religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus asks him about eternal life, and Jesus point blank tells him, he says, you must be born again. The death that Adam brought, the spiritual death, you can have a reversal of that. You can have new life in the Lord Jesus Christ if by faith you accept his grace and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by. 
born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second, uh, second birth. Joy to the Lord, world, the Lord has come. And in your life has he come today. And in your life have you experienced that miraculous, supernatural second birth. The Apostle Paul says, that which is of the flesh is flesh, but that which is of the spirit is spirit. God wants to come close to you. And the way that you can draw closer to the Lord is to experience that second birth that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. We don't have a closing hymn to sing. I want you to think about a few things. I want want you to think about the life that you currently have. Is there hope or is there fear? Is there life or is there death? Is there sin or is there freedom? Is there condemnation or have you been justified? This Christmas, you may purchase many, many, many gifts for your friends, your family, and your loved ones. You may receive many, many different gifts. Maybe you have a gift that you received many Christmases ago, something that is very near and dear to your heart, something you will cherish forever and ever and ever. Just think about the greatest gift that you've ever received from any one person. Where's it at right now? How much is it worth to you? But the most important question you have to ask yourself this morning is have you received the gift of eternal life that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Do you know for sure where you would spend eternity at if you died right now? Because that's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why God wrapped himself in flesh and blood for us to be able to know. John writes in his letter, 1 John chapter 5, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning thanking you for all that you've spoken to us. We thank you for this promise that you bring new life. And I pray, Lord God, if there's anyone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that, Lord, they would no longer live in that condemnation of their sin, that they would be set free to experience a new life. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.